Welcome to Diary of a Crowdfunded Film, proudly in collaboration with Brick Studios. I'm Jose Pusella. Join me as I take you on this audio journey with Heath Davis on the making of his new crowdfunded film, Christmas. Welcome back to this 10th episode of Diary of a Crowdfunded Film, bringing you the audio equivalent of the special features on a DVD in this series dedicated to the fourth film by Heath Davies titled Christmas. As always, it is I, No Way Jose, or in Spanish, De Ninguna Manera Jose, and joining me for the first time, but hopefully not the last, is another bilingual creative. He's an editing wizard, motion designer magician, and when he's not pulling off Top Gun stunts with his drone, he's tucked away in the Blue Mountains perfecting his craft. Thank you for joining me, Monsieur Romain Mongin. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. I've been looking forward to this. Before we transition into today's conversation, let me get some housekeeping out of the way. If you enjoyed our last episode as much as Brian of Oz Funland enjoys celebrating community stories through his show Good Morning MacArthur, then you can like us on Facebook, Diary of a Crowd Funded Film, and Twitter at Diary of a Crowd F1. Please also subscribe and reshare the episodes so others can help continue to spread the word and momentum of this podcast and Heath's film Christmas. All right, Romain, you're well-versed in the filmmaking process um, and have served twice now as editor for Heath on his films Book Week and Locusts. Um, I want to get to those in a moment, but I wanted to ask, where did you study film? Well, I studied film in France back in uh, 2000. Uh, I went to film school from 2003 to 2006. So this is this feels like a, a very long time ago. A lot, a lot has, ha- has happened since then. Um, but, um, but film school was always, uh, as soon as I finished um, you know, uni, I was like, well, I, I, wanna, I wanna do film full time. And so going to film school was the, the logical uh, next step. And it, it was great, like we learned everything. It was one of those schools that had you know, half theory, half pr- practice, and we, we haven't stopped for three years. We were just constantly doing short films. And, and I had the chance to do a lot of that on, on film stock as well. This was the very early days of digital. So we, we learned a lot of the old school ways of filming and editing traditionally on, on big um, Moviola um, editing machines. So that, that was great. And then the minute I finished and started working, uh, film stock was over and everything was digital. So that was a bummer. <laughs> and uh, was it, so if I pronounce this correctly, is it Ezra or do you say ESRA Paris Film School? No, we say Ezra because I think it stands for Echoes. Uh, I forgot about it actually. <laughs> um, but they're, they're the initials of um of um, you know there's a handful of schools like this in Paris uh, in France actually, um, and they all just you know kind of work on initials. I, from my understanding, you can say if this is incorrect that it's probably one of the most renowned film schools in France. It's a pretty good one. There's there's other ones um, that are. It's a more recent one. Um, they're not. They're only twenty years old or so. I think there's there's more prestigious ones, but they don't focus on practical stuff. It's really right. all just theory, theory. And, and it's a it's a more philosophical approach to cinema. And this one is very much for like you know if you want to get into the technique, uh, which is what I wanted to do primarily. Lovely. Uh, look, did you know that um, Pierre Morel, um, the director of Taken, Gunman, and Peppermint, graduated from Ezra? That's right. Yeah, they, you know, they've, they've, they used to invite him like once a year. We would have a big, you know, conference meeting. And, and of course, everyone would have too many questions to ask. And yeah, there's a handful of direct of French directors that um, went to this school, but mainly produ- also producers, lots of producers. Right. Uh, you know, what happens is that we all get into those schools wanting to be directors. 
<laughs> and, and, and we figure out who, who we want to be once we go through that process and, and we come out of it being like, no, no, uh, I want to be a sound sounder. I want to be an editor. I want to be a producer, you know, filmmaker, director is the go-to thing because it's the cool job. It's the hardest job, but it's the, the one that, you know, the prestigious one. But I think uh, going to this school is important because then you, you, you need to figure out um, what, what, what you want to do um, in that huge industry that, that the film business is. And, and more often than not, the f- directing is not for everybody, that's for sure. Yeah, that's right. And you are right. You find that out at film school, don't you? But you were, obviously you're in good company there, Romain. Um, look, what I want to know is how did you decide to venture abroad and end up in the blanketing bushland and the sandstone cliffs at the Blue Mountains? Well, what happened is that, I mean, when I finished school, I started working, you know, I was doing little jobs here and there on television. And my dad, who, who was a, a producer at Radio France, the, the French public radio station. Very cool. Um, got me, he got me a few, you know, internships. And, and this was all fine, but really there was no work. Like I just had so, you know, I was very young. I was very inexperienced. And there was just very little work. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go traveling for a while. So that's how I ended up backpacking in Australia and, 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 and went straight to Sydney. And then I met, I met my future wife very quickly after that. And so I got, I'm stuck here now. <laughs> so love really did conquer everything to the point where you're here today. And I think, that's right. you know, like all relationships, and I'm going to um, try to do this metaphor in relation, in, tied into editing, that, you know, relationships like editing, they're about passion, rhythm, compromise, discipline, and persistence. So I want to get into very now true. your craft. And how did your relationship with Heath first come about? Well, I think, I think what happened was that I knew, I knew Chris Bland from before I knew Heath. And I'm pretty sure it's Chris that recommended me for Book Week. Uh, so this is back in 2017 or 18, 18. And he recommended me for that because we were talking film a lot. And, you know, because I was spending a lot of time with Chris at the time working at Optus doing a lot of commercials and, and, you know, in-house video productions. And, and so, you know, we, we got along pretty quickly. And, and actually, Daniel Fennec, our producer, was also part of that, that gang. Yes. Um, you had him on the show a couple of times. Correct. And so we, um, we, we teamed up that way. And then cutting Book Week with Heath, it was great. I mean, he gave me my first shot and I had no idea what I was doing. Even after all these years of editing, you know, short films or commercials, um, having gone to school and all that and watching films and loving, loving cinema for, you know, most of my life. Uh, you rock up at the first feature film and you have no idea what to do with it. So we had to figure it out and it went really well. And I think it worked out so well that when Locus came about, which was right after that, uh, he, he was like, well, let's keep going, man. We're on, we, you know, we've got momentum here. You want to cut the next one? I was like, absolutely. And I was, that was another experience after that, for sure. Well, so you got to cut your teeth on uh, Book Week, so to speak. So could you describe your collaborative style um, and the process that you use with Heath with your cutting? Well, I think because we had such a, you know, such a quick window, we really couldn't spend, uh, we didn't have the money to spend, you know, the, the, the normal amount of time that you would spend on cutting a feature. So we were cutting as we were filming. So I'd be, um, I'd be getting hard drives every day with the rushes from the day before. And because they were cutting in, they were filming in, Katoomba in the mountains. I was living in Glenbrook at the time, so I wasn't too far. So it was pretty convenient to get runners to 
drive down the mountain every day to drop me some hard drives. And so the idea was to, you know, I, I was trying to have that discipline of cutting every day the scenes from the day before. Right. And then we would touch base at the end of the day with Heath and Chris, actually, and be like, what do you think? And we, you know, we're missing something because, you know, we've got this actor tomorrow. If we miss something, we can always get it. So I would say yes or no. And that, we managed to fix a few things as we went, actually, like that. So it's a really good strategy, but it's, it's doable, on, you know, on that, at that scale because they were filming for, I think it's only a two or three weeks shoot. And so, you know, I really, my goal was to have an assembly of the whole film by the end of it, which we did. And, and that was great. That was a process that um, for me worked really well because on the last day of filming, Chris and Heath went home and stopped at my house on the way home and we watched the assembly of the film and they were like, oh, this is cool. I mean, you know, it was, it was rough. It was too it was too long. There was a lot of, you know, pacing issues and all that because I had done it so fast. But after that, we spent another few weeks refining and experimenting uh, with the story. But having that assembly straight away was just a, I think for them too, it was a, a bit of a relief because it was a really hard shoot, like any shoot, any film's hard. And, and, and for me, I was like, yeah, cool. All right. It looks like I can, I can do this, you know, but also we're very collaborative. They're, you know, we work really well together. So I was lucky to be, you know, in that little ecosystem. And Heath is very good at just kind of building a, a team of people that are quite, you know, we're all on the same page. Um, he's more interested in giving me my first shot because we're on the same page and we, you know, we're very similar creatives rather than getting the, the top level editor in Australia, you know, he could easily do that. But I think he likes the idea of having that, Harmony, I guess, yeah. throughout the process. And that's not just for the shoot. It's also for post-production as well. He's very mindful of that. And it feels like it kind of also blends into, I'm going to just briefly mention Christmas because based on even how you've described Heath's process and yours, and you're saying he could have gone for a very well-established editor at that time, it feels like it's more about building family and that he can really trust. And, it, and I think then everyone contributes and produces the best work and i've definitely seen that with i was re recently visiting um locus last night wow. and i wanted to actually ask look of the two features so book week and locus which might have taken the longest to get to final cut oh it was by far it, it was locus because it was a more complex film you know um, it was a bigger film and a lot of we did a lot of adr in post-production you know we've added lines um the, the the story still needed a lot of tweaking even after filming right so i feel like locus really needed that extra that extra layer of, of of crafting after the facts you know there's a lot of things that we realized were too long or too short some things were not working either which is a normal process of, of the film of that scale because there was more footage more scenes so more options you know book week was a lot book week was so contained that really the script had to be right before shooting it and it was and that's why i think it it got the success that it did locus was such a bigger beast um that i feel like yeah it's it we, we spent a lot more time crafting it i mean literally months um which was great because we we also i mean again it's, it comes down to, to resources as well we had more money so we kind of experimented more and in the end we cut out so much stuff from locust um you could easily do a, a three-hour version of that film wow. <laughs> no i think the version that um eventually the final cut that is shown works well it's very tight um, the performances are great. 
you know, Blandy's mm. cinematography just makes you, yeah. you know, you look at the landscape and that aridity and the harshness of the place and it just perfectly juxtaposes what the characters are going through. And that's the thing, see, we, we're talking about editing here and it's an invisible art because if the movie flowed well, then the credit goes to the editor there as well. Um, <laughs> that's right. And, you know, at the time you fall in love with scenes when you're cutting those films and you're like, you know, you don't want to get rid of this, but the, direct, the director or the producer wants to get rid of that. And, and then, you know, at the time it's that constant like, oh, no, we, we're cutting too much. It's too tight, too tight. You know, we, we're losing all. And then you watch it again two years down the track and you're like, Oh, well, this is neat. You know, this is tight. This is working. Yes. And so having that, that, that insight, you can never really be, you know, hundred percent objective at the time when you're in it, you know, um, when you're in the mud, it's, it's, it's always very hard to kind of detach yourself. And we do it all the time. We watch movies that, you know, we go to the movies and watch films now and, and we don't even think about those things, but there might be versions of those films that are much more, you know, long and, 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 and you know, a bit, bit more dragged on but but we don't realize how much needs to be cut out for it to be really tight and watchable absolutely so how do you prepare yourself mentally um when you approach you know an edit for a black comedy like book week versus that um you know neo western um, aussie thriller do you have a different approach <laughs> and a mindset when you go into the edit for those well, what, what Heath did every time, and we've just done it with uh, Christmas again, is um, he sends me a whole list of a bunch of films to watch again. Right. And, and most of the time, they're films that we've already seen, but re-watching them in the context of getting ready for the next film, um, yeah, you, you, kinda, you start seeing you know, elements in the dialogue or the, the editing of these films. And you're like, yeah, okay, I get it. I see why this scene is working. It's because of that line or... It's because the attention is focused on that. Or uh, we, we've got to do that for book week then, or we've got to do that for Christmas. And, and comedy is very hard. I mean, I had done um, short films, comedies before, but, but again, feature film, yeah, you can't be prepared until you just do it because it's, it's such a longer beast, right? That there's so many more minutes <laughs> going on between a 10 minute short film and a, a 90 minutes feature so and and comedy is all about the timing of it so so that's that's really tough um and then going into locus was more like well it's it's not really a comedy anymore now it's tension all right how do we build tension yes so you go back and watch you know hitchcock or all those masters and you're like how the hell am i going to pull this off um i can do comedy i can't do i can't do tension <laughs> <laughs> every time you start from scratch <laughs> So it's always you're always shaping, just like you are literally in the in the edit room. Um, look, it, I wanted to go back to to Christmas and in one of the discussions I had with Heath, and I think Daniel mentioned it as well that it'll be a one camera setup. So and he doesn't like to shoot, as he's mentioned, more coverage than is needed. Um, obviously, it'll to suit the shooting schedule as well. So does this make it easier in the edit for you? And how do you think you can still help shape the story structurally? I think it definitely makes our life easier because Chris and, and Heath know what they're doing too. You know, it's, you're better off having a crew that does that and, and who knows where to put the camera to tell that, that story, to, you know, to shape each scene at a time. Whereas that filming three, four cameras, everything and being like, oh, j just shape it. I mean, there's ways to do it. Some, some directors do that. They shoot five or six cameras and sure, it's all there. And, 
But then, you know, that extends the post-production process so much more. So you end up spending more money in post as well. But it comes to discipline. I think that, you know, it, they, should, they, they should know what they're doing in the sense of, you know, let's put the camera here. We know what's happening in that scene. We know what the tone is and we know how to hang on to it. And, and they know exactly how to do that. I think, yeah, if, if, if tomorrow, if Chris suddenly was filming two or three cameras, I think it'd be, it'd be probably very hard for him because he would feel like he's not focusing on the energy of the scene or the tone of the scene. Right. So I think it's definitely part of their, that's, that's how they work together too. And it works financially too. Mm-hmm. You save so much time. You punch out those scenes so much quicker, um, knowing exactly. And because Heath spends so much time writing, you know, this is months and months of writing, of re- revising drafts. He knows exactly where it's going. He's already seen the film in his head before the first day of filming. I wanted to ask, is there an editor that you consider kind of a master of their craft? Um, and what's like a really well-edited film for you? Um, oh, there's, there's a lot of them. Um, in Australia, I really like um, Roland Gallois. I think he's the, I don't think he's editing, he's doing films anymore. He's, he's the head of um, editing at Afters, I think, okay. these days, if that hasn't changed. And he's a fantastic editor. I've met him a few times too when he was, um, he helped me back in, back in the, the days when I was doing a lot of short films. Um, he was giving us feedback. Another one is um, another Aussie, is uh, Alexander De Franceschi. He's done tracks. He's done uh, Lion. Oh, wow. Fantastic. They're just amazing editors. They're at the top of their, you know, if we can, if, if we can be half of these guys when we, when we hit 50 or 60 years old, that would be so good. Um, and then the other ones, um, Pietro Scalia, Ridley Scott's editor, I think is yes. fantastic. I love what this guy, I love all the Ridley Scott stuff. I just think he's very, uh, well, he takes all the credit, but it's, it's, he's got the best crew. Um, <clears throat> I think his editor is really good at pacing. Actually, another good pacing editor is Lee Smith, uh, who's doing all the Chris Nolan stuff. He's an Aussie too. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I love Nolan stuff. See, I wanted to, I personally... I'm a fan, um, and it was cemented with Fury Road for Margaret Sixel. Mm. The editing, for me, it's an absolute masterclass in cutting action. Um, and her method, honestly, for me, it should be dissected and taught in film schools throughout Australia because the way that film was constructed, and it just it blew everyone away. And it, so that's, for me, is somebody who I feel is a master of their craft. And is there a film that, for you, is really well edited? And my, it's obviously difficult to pick more than one. I think I've rewatched. watched um, it's funny you say that, I've rewatched uh, 1917 recently. But, of course, the whole film is meant to be one long shot. But to me... In terms of pacing, that you know they've crossed that ba- that barrier of hard cutting one shot to the next, and the whole film actually doesn't really feel like one shot because they change environment and it's constantly moving. Yes, you know what I mean. So it's not like you're watching a, a play. Um, and I still feel like they the pacing is is insanely good when really it should feel overly long. It should feel like it's dragging on a lot. But for some reason, and I think it goes all the way back to writing and you know planning the shoot, of course. Um, they really nailed that. Another another one is probably the Dark Knight. That's such a tight pace. Like and, and I don't think the, the film is really good, but the pacing is really what's driving it, to be honest. I don't think the script was as good as it, you know, as the pacing is. They really nail that. It doesn't just come down to action. It's just characters and, and development. And Fury Road is a it's funny you mentioned that that's a good example too because they make a huge two-hour action scene feel like a movie absolutely when again it should be it should be overbearing you know it should be exhausting but it's not it's not at all 
Yeah, look, is it true that you also edited um, the music video for the Fundamentals Deja Vu? I did too. Yeah, that was fun. How did that come about? Because I know you're in the Blue Mountains. There are Blue Mountains um, Aussie hip hop yeah. group. But was that kind of a, a kismet moment or you knew somebody and they kind of said, oh, look, jump on this? Oh, no, I knew, I knew the director. She, um, I did a few music videos with her. So it was a complete coincidence that I was in the mountains and that they're based in the Blue Mountains as well. Um, and and she, um, she, I did another, I did a few over the years. This one, this one was great. And this one was, these guys were really easy to work with. Um, we had a lot of pressure on, we were like, oh, how's that going to go? I don't, I don't know. You know, they're pretty, they're pretty well established. It's going to be difficult with their agents and managers and, you know, it's a whole it's a whole other level. Yes. But in fact, not at all. They were so cool to work with. It's funny, like you don't expect that from, you know, famous artists. You expect them to be difficult and having really high expectations. But they did a good job. And uh, the DP on that, Emilio, was, um, I did a lot of, com- I do still do a lot of commercials with him. Um, he shot he shot it all in anamorphic. So it looked just great. They really nailed the, the production value on that. And we had so much fun with, the edit because uh, you know they kind of build that world where um there's a there's a, a dictatorship going on and trying to control these people and living in tents so it's it's this weird sort of microcosm of of a dystopian society yeah, and, yeah. And we had a lot of fun it was great that. i i thought i i thought based on this discussion i'm going to revisit that because it's from 2017 <laughs> i think um i love That's the nice. occult kind of vibe it's very quirky and it plays well in with the song look i wanted to ask as we end off is there any advice that you could offer for any indie film editors that you would like to have received when you were first starting out um i think um i would say support the director in in any way you can i don't think it's not just about you know cutting um, like cutting, building a story that's kind of the least of the problems that we have. It, it's more the relationship, working out chemistry with the director because you get so close, you know, or the DP or the producers, you end up being so close to these guys for such a long time on a film. I think it's just, yeah, working out how to be close to them creatively and, 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 and supporting them. I think the director needs more than anything. I don't think he needs the best editor or the best DP. I think he needs someone who, who works best for for his style for the story, and 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 Heath Heath has that, and that's why he keeps making films. You know, we all you know we we think I used to think when I started making short films, I was like, oh, I'll just do anything. Who's who's making a short film? I'll cut it for you, and <laughs> and that's fine, that's fine. But most of the time, there was no relationship with those directors, and so I was like, well, the film turns out to be probably not as good as it should be because we we just focus so much on getting it done we forget the human aspect of it i think and there's a lot of that and they don't they don't teach you that at school i think and they don't teach you that when you start editing um and you know whatever the editing platform is where is you cutting on, on avid or premiere or final cut all these tools this is that's the easy part anyone can learn how to use them these days but understanding the story and, and kind of being on the same page um is super important um especially when you're going to be you know stuck with these guys for so long um, you you want to get along for sure, and we we've, we're lucky to have that balance with with Heath and and I keep saying Heath, but it's not it's also Chris, it's also you know Daniel Fennec. and uh, so with Christmas it'll be that you know we know what to expect. It'll be hard. It's always hard. There's going to be a million problems on especially on the shoot. There's always we we know that now. I think we you know I never I never used to think that, but now we know that it's always an uphill battle. 
with you know the the norm the normal environment dealing with actors dealing with locations dealing with weather um, dealing with that scene that we can't manage to make you know to make work so it's it's this constant fight I think with with cinema that's why we love it so much and then we watch those films two two years down the track and we're like oh wow that looks we made it look easy. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah, you, you encapsulated it perfectly. Look, I hope our listeners have enjoyed today's insightful discussion. I know I have. I'm very grateful for your time today, Romain. Thank you so much. Oh, thank mate. you very much, Rosie. Yeah, this is fun. This is awesome. I'm thank glad you. you enjoyed yourself. Look, would you mind coming back then for a second episode to discuss perhaps editing on Bookwick or Locus? But in greater detail, maybe looking at breaking down a sequence for listeners at home. So kind of like a, a short editing analysis class with Romaine, if you will. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. We could do that. That would be All right. fun. Spectacular. Thank you very much Anytime. once again, mate. Thanks, Jose. And to everyone else, until next time. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Diary of a Crowdfunded Film. Subscribe to hear all future episodes. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. For more info, please visit Diary of a Crowdfunded Film on Facebook.